Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that you're encouraged by today's message from our lead pastor, Greg Fraser. Well, we're finishing in the Gospel of Luke, and then we're taking the journey from the Gospel of Luke, carrying right on to the book of Acts, because it's the same author. Luke wrote both of these books, and the journey we've been on has been talking about the kingdom of God. And really, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus Christ comes demonstrating, preaching, and teaching the kingdom of God. Amen? And imagine your life with him. It's been a party. It's been amazing. You're watching him raise the dead. You're watching him heal the sick. You're watching him bring deliverance to people that are captives. You're watching him including people in community that have been rejected by the community. Are you following me? Like this is an incredible, powerful, awesome, what a fellowship you've had. What a joy divine. You've been hanging out with Jesus and now you're in Luke 24 and Jesus has been crucified. And everything seems lost. That's where we're in the story. And some disciples are on the road to Emmaus, and they're traveling to Jerusalem. They're talking with each other about everything that happens. And as they were discussing these things, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside of them. But they were kept from recognizing him. The text is going to come on the screen now. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem that does not know the things that have happened here these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Just gripped by a word of bad news. I mean, I can relate. Can you imagine being Jesus' friend, walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, seeing Jesus, asking Jesus to teach you, asking Jesus to help you, and suddenly your friend is gone? Have you ever had a moment like that in your life? You're like, God, where are you? I, I, you know, I'm supposed to be in a relationship with you, and I, I was walking so close with you, and then suddenly it's like you're missing. I, I think we can relate a little bit to what these guys are going through. But I want you to understand something. Jesus said something shocking, and, and, and it gets brought to their remembrance later, but he actually tells them, all this is going to happen. I'm about to be betrayed. I'm about to be handed over to the Gentiles. I'm about to die. But then he says a crazy thing. It's a good thing that that happens. Now, let's read what he said. He said, I will ask the Father, this is John 14, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. It's a good thing this is happening, he says. He's gonna, I'm, he says, I'm going to send you another advocate. 
another advocate. And that's what we want to talk about today. In the midst of us being on the journey right now, and we're learning about the kingdom of God and the call of God upon these young lives right here is the same call of God that is upon your life. Amen? That God is calling you to represent His kingdom in the kingdoms of this world. God is calling you to represent the kingdom of God. And, and that, calling, that, that calling requires that you have some advocates some people walking with you and walking beside you. And Jesus says, it's a good thing that I'm not going to be present with you in the same way that I was before because you're about to meet me in a different way. And I'm going to add another advocate. And what we're going to find by the end of the sermon is we actually have three advocates. And we're going to look at what those three advocates are as you and I decide and walk on this journey with Christ in His kingdom. Well, let's pray and look at the first, second, and third advocate and see how they relate and connect to our lives. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. You are here, Lord, and you are doing great things, and you're not finished. Hallelujah. Lord, this is the time and the hour that you are revealing your kingdom in a new and a great way, in a way that most of us have never experienced before. You are going to cause the kingdom of God to come in healing power, in anointing, in grace, in revelation. And so, Spirit of God, come and begin that work further, that work within us right now. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to receive and respond to you. And everybody said, amen and amen. Well, advocate number one may be a little bit different than you think because advocate number one is actually Jesus. Jesus, the ever-living Word of God. Listen to what it says in 1 John chapter 2. My dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Do you know that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world? And the only thing keeping people from receiving that advocacy is belief. And they can't believe unless they hear. Amen? Amen. That God is for you and not against you. And so we're having trouble because we've been walking with Jesus, our friend, if we're like the disciples, and now he's dead. He's no longer with us in the flesh. And, and, and he's saying, don't worry, I'm going to be seen by you again. I'm going to be revealed to you again. You're not alone. I'm going to, I'm going to give you that, that, that spirit of adoption. Something's going to change in the way you relate to me, but I want you to understand you're still with me. See, what we don't grasp and understand is that Christ is seated in the heavenly realms at the right hand of the Father, and He's living to intercede for us. And the reason we don't see Him is we don't understand where we are. We don't understand how we are connected to Him. We think He's in heaven. That's a long way off. But this is what the Scripture says about you. Ephesians 2, 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.1, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
Church, you and I are in Christ, and because we're in Christ, we are where Christ is. But here's the challenge and the problem of our lives. You see, you might be thinking to yourself, Pastor Greg, you're just preaching a bunch of religious mumbo-jumbo. What does it mean that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places? Church, you have been delivered. If you have accepted Christ into your life, if you've asked Him to be your Lord and your Savior, you have been delivered, the Bible says, from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Son of God whom God loves. And you are literally in a new kingdom, but you're still carrying the residue, you're carrying the reality of the kingdom of this world. And I understand that. We live in a time when there are two parallel kingdoms literally simultaneously living against and opposed at times to one another and connected to one another. And so we live in a world that we can see, we can touch, we can taste, we can hear. And there's a whole bunch of noise in this world. That's the kingdom of this world. It's constantly beckoning for your attention. It's constantly saying, this is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. But God would say, that kingdom is falling away. That kingdom is being erased. That kingdom will stumble and it will crumble and it will fall. But there is another kingdom, the kingdom of God. And right simultaneously happening as we're living our life in this life, right alongside of it, God is revealing there's a new way to live your life. And there's a new way that you can connect to this reality. Now, church, grasp this. <laughs> it's veiled. And there are moments in your life when it becomes unveiled. Church, on Sunday morning, you come in and you're like, oh, I don't, oh, stupid, why are we even here? Oh, I hate this song. Oh. But if you enter in, if you start to sing and you start to position your heart, suddenly something begins to lift. And suddenly you begin to experience the pressures of this week begin to float off of you. Suddenly peace that doesn't make sense starts to grasp and grip your heart. Suddenly a revelation starts to come of something bigger and beyond what you're living in and feel bound by in this world. That is the kingdom of God being revealed. Amen? And so here we are. We're in this tension. We're in this tension and the kingdoms are in this constant tension. Now, why do you think, you know, tomorrow night we have prayer meeting, and then every two weeks we're going to call a day of fasting and prayer every two weeks. And why are we doing that? Because prayer is a powerful way of seeing the kingdom unveiled. Why do you think in the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, he said, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. But you, understand, you may not know this, but I've told you this before. The way that the Greek language is writing that passage, it actually should be read like this. Okay? Hallowed be thy name on earth as it already is in heaven. That little prepositional phrase actually attaches to the end of all six petitions. Thy kingdom come on earth as it already is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
on earth as it already is in heaven. Forgive us our trespasses on earth as it already is in heaven. Deliver us from evil on earth as it already is in heaven. Church, your mind is veiled and prayer causes you to come to that point where you are pulling the reality of heaven to earth. And it doesn't start there. Every time I go to prayer, I don't feel like I'm in the kingdom of heaven. I don't sense that. But as I begin to pray, something mysterious, miraculous, awesome begins to happen. The kingdom becomes unveiled. And we're going to see that unveiling more and more and more as we approach and live in these end times. You're about to see things that you have never seen. Healing, power, deliverance. Grace, revelation, hope. Hallelujah. I don't want to miss it. Amen. I don't want to miss it. And so we're here. <laughs> That's why prayer is so powerful. Jesus told us to pray every day. Right today, this day, pray. Why? Because I need a fresh revelation. Because the world is constantly vying for my attention. Listen, I've turned Facebook on. Everything that comes to me is very little about the kingdom of heaven, but all about the kingdoms of this world. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Come on. Here we go. So they're gripped by this bad news. <laughs> but things are about to change. Let's go on in the story. So it goes on that Jesus is alive. It's a word of good news. They keep talking to Jesus. They say, some of the women amaze us. They went to the tomb and they said, <coughs> an angel spoke to them and said, Jesus is alive, so we don't know what to believe. And then Jesus goes on and he tells them, you guys are so thick, the women always get it before the men. Sorry, guys, they do. <laughs> Just, I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is. It's like, sorry, but they just kind of, in the scriptures, it's pretty evident the women get it before the guys. I don't know what it, what it is, but God love them. Here we go. Jesus is revealed in the word broken. So listen to what he says. He says to the guys, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And when he was at the table with them, they asked him to stay. And he, so he stayed and he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They returned at once to Jerusalem and found the eleven, and they assembled them together, saying, It's true, the Lord has risen from the dead. He appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what had happened on the way, and they said how Jesus had been recognized them when he broke the bread. There's a little tip here, guys. Remember, we're alone now. The advocate Jesus has left us in the flesh, but we can actually see him still. We can actually be with him still through the breaking of the bread. Jesus said, men cannot live on bread alone, but only on every word that proceeds from the mouth of my Father. He's talking about the Word of God being broken. And when it is broken properly, it reveals Christ. Amen? Church, this is an, I, I, I don't know, this is 
I could go off, I could go off on a tangent here, but I'm going to go on a little tangent, so just come with me on a little journey. Okay, I don't know what Jesus talked to them about, but I can tell you it was the greatest sermon in the history of sermons. He is unfolding right from the very first books and moments of the Bible, the story of Christ all throughout the Word of God. Whoo! I don't know what he said, but maybe he talked about Adam and Eve, and he said, guys, remember when Adam and Eve fell, and, and God said that by your seed you will be redeemed, I am that seed, or Jesus is that seed. He reveals Jesus. And then he talks maybe about Abraham and and his son Isaac. And remember, he had to take Isaac and sacrifice him, the one and only son. He had to lay him on an altar and sacrifice him. And as if receiving him back from the dead, God delivered him from that moment. And that's a picture of Jesus. The Father sent his one and only son to be sacrificed to redeem mankind. And he walks through the storyline, storyline of the Bible, and he keeps going and what an incredible, incredible. He talks about Noah and the ark and the deliverance of mankind. And he goes through and the paints this picture. I would pay everything I own for that commentary set. Because it's revealing Jesus Christ. And this is the heart of the broken bread. Maybe he stopped at the altar. Maybe he stopped at the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is a picture of Jesus in every way. And he talked about the, the, you know, the laver, the altar that's there, the sacrificial or the, the, the spotless lamb is having to be sacrificed to allow the worshiper to come into the temple. And he says, Jesus is the spotless lamb. And then there's a basin there for the priests to wash their hands. And even though we've been brought in by the spotless lamb, there are times you and I need to live in repentance and wash our hands because we're polluted by the things of this world. And then we walk in, that's the outer court. And we walk into the holy place. That's the inner court where the priests, you and I, begin to work and minister. And there's three things in there. There's a bread of the show bread. It's called the bread of presence. There's a lamp that's whole job is to shine on that bread of presence. And there's there's an altar of incense, prayer and the word, prayer and the word. Our job is there. And this showbread, guys, this is cool. There's 12 loaves for the 12 children of tribes of Israel. And every week, those loaves have to be rebaked. They have to be eaten and consumed. And as you and I consume the word of God, the revelation of Christ comes to us. Amen? Why do you pray for your pastor every week? Because I got to go bake bread every week. Every week, <laughs> excuse me, I can't bring stale bread. As a matter of fact, it's just, it's disgusting. You've got to bake the bread, amen? And you have to consume it. But it's not just my job. You as the priests of your own home, you can break the bread of the word of God. And as you break the bread, you see Christ. Amen? Okay, okay. This. <laughs> altar of incense. You're breaking the bread. Oh, it's so good. Yum, yum, yum. Jesus, you're tasty. You're awesome. You're amazing. I need to see you more. I need more revelation. And then he, maybe he goes in and he says, guys, do you remember when Jesus died, the veil that covers the holy of holies was torn in two and opened up was access to God? Do you remember that moment, you guys? Well, Christ tore the veil in his flesh 
so that you could come in and be with God in the Holy of Holies. And guess what's in that room? There's a thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant, oh, this is so crazy. This is so good. Jesus is talking. He's saying, guys, there's only one seat in the Old Testament temple. There's only one seat because the work is never finished. But when the high priest sits on that seat, the work is done. Guess what? who sat on that seat? Jesus. Jesus sat on that seat so that you and I could have access to the Father and we're constantly connected and our work is finished. We rest in Christ as He is seated on that mercy seat. You and I receive mercy because we're seated with Him. Okay, this is a great sermon. Not mine, Jesus' sermon. Are you following me? So he's telling them this. They're, they're, something's burning within them. Are you following me? It's like, wow, wow, wow. This is amazing. And then Jesus shows up to the rest of the disciples. This is part of our charge to our young pastors. <laughs> I charge you in the name of Christ to bake the bread of the Word of God every week. Listen, there are some great preachers out there. And you can go online and watch their sermons, sure. But don't regurgitate what they've put together. You get in the Word of God yourself. And you let the Spirit of God ignite and bake some bread with you. Do you know I love my job, Pastor Ed? I love it. Every week, I go into the kitchen with Jesus. Every week. And I'm like, what are we doing this week, Lord? I actually had baked some bread on Tuesday, and the Lord said, no, that's not the bread you're baking this week, Greg. You're going to bake some different bread this week. I'm like, Lord, but this is tasty bread. No, that's not tasty bread. That's, I won't pick on any Wonder Loaf or anything like that. That's, you can last on a shelf for 20 years, but it's really not nutritious. Sorry, Lord. Don't sue me, Wonder Loaf, whatever your name is. God says you've got to bake the bread. Amen. So you sit down with him. That's the goal. See, then our advocate, their friend, the counselor, speaks to them. He shows up and he speaks to the whole group of them. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand all the scriptures. He opened their mind to the word. Church, can I give you the greatest secret of reading your Bibles? Pray. It's a spiritually discerned book. If you just read it like a textbook, you will be gravely disappointed. But if you will read it with a prayerful heart and say, God, reveal your kingdom and the king to myself, every day you can spend time with the number one advocate of your life, Jesus Christ. Every day he'll be revealed to you. Amen? Amen. Then he goes on and he says this. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. And repentance for forgiveness of sins we preach in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are my witnesses to all of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And Jesus introduces the second advocate that every Christian has. 
This is the advocate we're going to be more introduced to as we go into the book of Acts starting next week. And this is the Holy Spirit who has been sent to dwell within you. See, Jesus said again in John 16, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor will come to you. But if I depart, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. See, church, the Spirit of God is constantly advocating for Christ in your life. He is constantly getting you to pull your eyes off of yourself off of this world and on to Jesus because he knows that in Christ you have life and life abundant. And outside of him, all life is, is Greg Fraser lives, encurvitis and say, which means curved in on self. Sin is about being curved in on self. But as I spend time in the word and in prayer, it starts to lift upward and look out to someone who can set me free from myself. Amen? This is the call of God. And so the Spirit of God is what God wants you to have, church, more and greater. And he starts talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the wisdom, understanding, the counsel, the fortitude, the knowledge, the piety, the fear of the Lord. And the gifts lead to the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit individually in your life and in my life and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. All of these things come as we abide with our Holy Spirit powerfully working in and through us. This is the call of God on the church. So we got an advocate, number one, being Jesus. We got a second advocate being the Spirit who dwells within us. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, but I live in this world and on this earth, and God has to constantly remind me that I'm seated with Christ and to turn my eyes to Him and off of myself and off of this world. It's not hard, by the way, because the world's passing away. The things of this world are not here to last, church. They're fading. They're fading. They're failing. And we keep crying out for God to restore something that's broken and busted instead of crying out and saying, God, let your kingdom come. Amen. <laughs> you need to pray this prayer, church. Listen to Ephesians 3. It's a prayer. You can take it. Ephesians 3.1. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you might be filled to the full measure of God. Church, you're so living in two cultures right now, two kingdoms, two worlds, that you actually require power, the power of the Spirit just to get your eyes off of this world. Amen? Does anybody, you can't do it on your own. Are you following me? Yet you have an advocate that helps you every single day to turn your eyes to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Hallelujah. This is the work of the believer. This is our work to position ourselves to receive grace that we might clearly see God. You position yourself by coming to church. You position yourself by praying. You position yourself by serving. You position yourself by reading the Word. 
Amen? Okay, it's not overly complicated. You can do this. But you have a third advocate, the last of the advocates, and that's the body of Christ, the church. Though the church is not called an advocate in the Scripture, but because we are in Christ and we are Christ's body, I don't think it's hard for us to say the church is the third advocate. Amen? You're part of the body of Christ, and you are the body of Christ. Do you know that the Bible tells about 59 one another's that are in the New Testament? That you're to love one another. You're to forgive one another. You're to wash one another's feet. You're to be gracious toward one another. You're to be hospitable toward one another. One another's, one another's, one another's. This is all, I could list all 59 of them. You can look them up yourself. You know, carry one another's burdens. Serve one another. Instruct one another. There's so many one another's where you get to be the counselor, the comforter, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate. Amen? Church, listen, I, I talk to people all the time. And you know what excites them and why they love this church more than any other thing? It's you. It's when they come here and they get plugged in, they find love. And they find encouragement. And they find help. And they find comfort. And they find counsel. Isn't that great that that's your job? Hallelujah. And they find intercessors, people who will pray with them. There are times when I have nothing to give you except to say, I'll pray with you. Because my only thing I can do is to point you to the one that can help you. Amen? I love what Andy Stanley said. This is good. The primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. <laughs> What's your job? I am here to one another. Another. <laughs> Amen? That's your job, church. The band is coming back. There's a lot of stuff for you to chew on in this service because we talked about three advocates. Jesus Christ, your advocate who is seated at the right hand of the Father, lives to intercede and pray for you. The Holy Spirit, the advocate who dwells within you, constantly reminding of you, you of whose you are and who you are. And by the way, He is the spirit of adoption. He has brought you into the family of God, that you are not orphans, but you've been made whole through your relationship with Him. And He constantly reminds you of that. And so church, the greatest challenge of your life is to get your eyes off of everything in this world that is pulling and vying for your attention and to turn your eyes to the only one that can help you. Amen? You have three amazing advocates. Let's abide and live with them. Thanks for joining us. For more of our messages and information on our ministries, you can visit tfhchurch.ca. Have a great week.